Uh, we're going to be looking at Ephesians this morning. Ephesians starting there in verse 1, I mean chapter 1, and picking up at verse 17. And uh, we are preparing for, and this is an exciting time. Um, this is an exciting time of the year. I just love the fall feast that God has set up in His Word. And these fall feasts have not yet been fulfilled and they're still pointing towards their fulfillment. How exciting it is uh, as this coming Wednesday at sundown will uh, usher in Rosh Hashanah, which is the new year. Hallelujah. And we're going to be talking more about that in, in a minute. But what we want to do now, here's a prayer that the Holy Spirit inspired through Paul for you and me. So this is God's heart for us. This is what God wants for us as he had the Apostle Paul uh, pray this prayer, write it in the Scriptures, and I want this to be for each and every one of us. So he says here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, that the Lord, this is what he's praying, that the Lord, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come, and to put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Father, I pray today, Lord, as we study Your Word together, Lord, that there would be an understanding and a revelation like never before. To You be the glory and the honor and the praise by the power of Your Spirit. We ask this to be done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I love this prayer, and I think I wanted us to pray this prayer for ourselves and for the church this morning as we prepare to study Rosh Hashanah and the fall feasts and all of the feasts of the Lord because it's such an important time of the year and it's a, such an important message. And here the Apostle Paul says, by the power of the Spirit of God, that I'm praying to the Lord, uh, uh, to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, for that he would give the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm praying right now as your pastor, and I pray you would join with me and pray for yourself and your family, that we would pray right now for the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. God, give us the spirit of wisdom, that we would think your thoughts, that we would understand from your perspective, that we would be elevated and we would be raptured to another and ratcheted to another level this week, unlike last week, that we would do family with your wisdom, that we would do business with your wisdom, that we would do relationships with your wisdom, that we would treat our bodies with your wisdom, that we would do life with your wisdom, that we would study your word with your wisdom, that we would understand your word by the revelation that you're going to give us. God, we pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Jesus, and that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. God, help us right now. Open our eyes. Open the eyes of our understanding that they would be enlightened, that we might know these three things. And he gives us these three things that we should know. This is what he wants us to know. What is the hope of his calling? 
God, give us eyes to see and an understanding heart that we would, Lord God, know what is the hope of your calling for our life. That we would understand that we are not here for 120 years. I said 80 in the first service, and Brother Johnny just uh, uh, he scratched his voice. <clears throat> he's like 88, I think. And he's like, wait a minute, don't give us 80 years. I'm 88 here. I said, well, let's just go on up, because I said 80 to 120. I said, let's just drop all the others and just say 120 years of healthy, wholesome life. Amen. Anybody want to claim that? And uh, that you're in your right mind, and you, and, you know, and you still can take care of your own business. Amen. Up to 120. Okay, we'll take it at that. But this 120 years that we live, compared to eternity, is like a grain of sand. I want you to picture yourself at the men's advance, standing out on the beach, looking to the right and looking to the left, looking to the north and the south, up and down that shoreline. As far as you can see, you can see sand. And all that sand is granular uh, uh, grains of sand uh, co combined together that makes that ocean front. Well, eternity, 120 years compared to eternity, is more than, I mean, that small grain of sand is your 120 years, and eternity is all the ocean fronts and the bottoms of the sea around the whole world, and even more is eternity. So you can see the 120 years that we're going to live here are very, very minute and small compared to eternity. And what we do with these 120 years is going to account for eternity. It's going to affect eternity. So what we have to do is we have to pray for God to give our eyes on, uh, uh, the revelation and the understanding, the illumination of the hope of His calling so we would understand that. that we're not going to live these 120 years feeding our flesh and doing exactly what we want to do. We're here to do what the Lord has put us here. He has a calling on your life. There's a purpose you was born. There's a purpose. There's a reason the devil's tried to kill you because he wants to squelch the purpose of God. But you and I, we're alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus has come to give us abundant life. Hallelujah. Now let's seek our, our purpose. Let's pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened that we might know what is the hope of His calling. I know physically in my flesh, I want to move to be around a, a family. I want my kids to have their grandparents, my grandma, you know, my mom, grandma just had her birthday this week, this last week, and I think she's 73 now. She, mom, I'm so sorry, I let it out on the air. Okay, but she's, she's not ashamed of her age. She says she's just getting started, so praise God. So, uh, you, know, I, you know, and our kids miss that. They didn't get to be at grandma's uh, birthday party and all this stuff. And then uh, Pastor Deek, our family on her side is in Vancouver, Washington, and they're in Portland, Oregon. And man, we're just so, we don't get to, we don't get to celebrate. And our flesh wants to, you know, be around that comfort and that family, the, the familia and stuff. But the Lord said, I've called you here and I've called you to equip my people and encourage my people and train my people and bless my people and speak to my people here. So when the Lord sent me here and I knew no one, and the Lord says, this isn't about who you know uh, on the earth, it's about who you know in heaven. And He says, I've got a purpose for you here. I've got a plan for you here. You've got to die to yourself daily. So, so I've, I've fought the, the urge, and that became something dead to me many years ago. I just had to fight it and put it to death, that I'm not leaving. God said, this is where I planted you. This is your purpose. This is the calling I have on your life. He, he opened my eyes and my understanding to, that was enlightened to the, to the hope of the calling He has on my life. And you need to do the same thing. 
You don't need to just move around where your flesh is moving you and do what your flesh wants you to do. You need to say, God, what are you called me to do? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to put my roots? Where do you want the gifts and the anointing and the talent in me to be matured and bring forth fruit for eternity? Because remember... What we do here in this short span of time is, has eternal consequences. And we need to be used by God in this day and hour. And a lot of people say, well, well, if you're not called behind a pulpit, you don't have a calling. You've just missed the truth of God's Word. Let me tell you what. There is a five-fold ministry and a calling for those to equip the saints so that the saints can do the works of service, so that the saints can expand the kingdom of God, so that the saints can fight off the demons of hell, so that the saints can put the devil in his place. Let me tell you what. we got to go into our homes, and we got to go into the uh, marketplace, and we got to go into our businesses, and we got to go into highways and the byways, and we got to go where, where the real action takes place properly equipped and fulfill the calling that God has on our life. Hallelujah. So we're praying for the understanding to be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling. Find His calling. Discover it. It's not something you understand overnight. You, you move it. He grows you into it. But do what He tells you to do and learn to listen and obey Him rather than what feels good for the moment. Amen? and that our understanding be enlightened what are to the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. So He has an inheritance for you and me. Now we hear inheritance and we think earthly, you don't get an inheritance until those who have left you as an heir has died. And then you get it. It's transferred over. Well, it's a little different with the Lord because He has it twofold. One, He says the inheritance is yours when the son dies and the son dies. Now, the devil got thrown for a loop because on the third day, the son came back alive. Amen. But he died so that your inheritance could be activated and it could be conferred over to you. Because you need, you need what he has provided for you now to fulfill your calling, right? And the second thing he says, he says an heir is no better off than a slave as long as an heir is a child. In other words, it's been putting your trust in the natural and until you're of age where you can handle the money or handle the inheritance, okay? So, but in, with God, He says it's basically there for you, but it's not going to be transferred over until you mature, until you mature. You act like a child, even though you're an heir, you're no better off than a slave. I'm here to tell you that's why we want to take the milk of the Word, which is for the babes in Christ, but we want to graduate and start eating the meat of the Word, which matures us and grows us up. And when you're grown up, you know you have to make tougher decisions than you did when you were a child. When you were a child, it's do I go to this friend's house or do I go to this friend's house? Do I play this game or do I play that game? When you're an adult, it's a little different, amen? you got to make sure the bills are paid. you got to make sure the lights are on. you got to make sure there's food in the refrigerator. you got to make sure that you have responsibilities. Well, when we mature as Christians and take on the responsibilities of the calling of God for our life, then there's that transfer of our inheritance that Jesus Christ has already died to make legally ours, even though He raised Himself from the dead three days later. It's still legally ours. Hallelujah. And he says that our eyes of our understanding would be enlightened so that we would know the riches of our inheritance, that we would know the source of the power that we have, which leads to the third one there. What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us? That you would know. 
the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power. You and I, God wants us to, to have our minds understanding, our minds eye see and understand the, the available power that we have in and through the Holy Spirit. Do you know there's greater power in you and available to flow through you? Greater power than you've ever known before. The power that created heaven and earth is the power of God in you and wanting to flow through you. But you've got to have your, your eyes of your understanding enlightened so that you don't quench that power, but you let God flow through you to fulfill the calling that He has for you. Hallelujah. So I'm praying, I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that He may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. As we study these feasts, as we study Rosh Hashanah, that you would get the revelation of this, the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that, that today, as you go out of here, that you will know what is the hope of your calling, that you will know what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance that Jesus Christ has already provided for you and that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe. That you will believe and according to the working of His Spirit and power in us that we could be used by Him to advance His kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 119 verse 18 is another prayer. I'm praying through the Scripture. I'm praying over you. I'm telling you, we just had 26 hours of David's 10 of praise and prayer and Bible reading together. I'm telling you what, we see the power of prayer and we see the power of God's Word. So here he says in Psalm 119 and verse 18, open my eyes that I might see the wondrous things of your law. I love the New Century Version, how it translates that. It says, open my eyes to see the miracles in your teaching." Hallelujah. That as we look together, while yet brief an overview today, we're going to look together, but I pray, and I pray that you would join me and pray the Scripture, God, open my eyes to see the miracles in Your teaching. Open my eyes, God. Enlighten me that I will know the hope of the calling that you have for me, that I will understand the greatness of the inheritance that is already mine, and that I will experience and know the power of your Holy Spirit as I go forward into this week. Praise God. So God, open our eyes to see the miracles of, in your teachings. There are seven main feasts unto the Lord. When we look at the feast of the Lord we see in these seven there are four that are in the springtime. And then God gives this distance of the summer into the fall before the last three take place. And then God separated them for a purpose and a reason. And one of those is the first four would be fulfilled and then there would be a time of anticipation and a time of waiting and a time of preparation before the final three were fulfilled. The first of the fall season, if you'll see it there, number five there, the first of the fall season is Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is this coming Wednesday at sundown. This coming Wednesday at sundown ushers in Rosh Hashanah, which will bring us into the year 5,778. It's been 5,778 years since God created man. That's in the Hebraic calendar. I know we have a Gregorian calendar that does a B.C. and an A.D., but if we go back to the biblical calendar, we see that brings us to the year 5778. Rosh Hashanah is 
the new year. So I want you to picture this Wednesday at sundown would be, in our mind's eye, very comparable to midnight going from December 31st to January 1st. When, what is it that drops? The ball drops. The countdown at midnight. Well, here it's going to take place at sundown. The real ball is dropping. Okay? The real ball is dropping. And it starts at sundown. And it is God's new year on his calendar. And that is what we'll be experiencing here. So after Rosh Hashanah, go back to the chart there, we see we go into Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. When the high priest would go in and uh, uh, present the blood in the Holy of Holies before the Ark of the Covenant, uh, an atonement for uh, the whole nation of, of the people of God, that they would be atoned and covered for the following year. And then after this comes Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles, you see it up there, number seven, where God comes in tabernacles with us and blesses everything that we do for the entire year. And they would set up the Sukkot, and, uh, and they would leave thatched roofs and look through and see the stars at night and see the sun at day. And the reason being that re replicated when they were in the wilderness, and God had them live in tents like that as they were going through the wilderness to the promised land, and they left the roofs open so that they could see that fire, that pillar of fire by night, which was God in their presence. If he was to move, they had to move with him, and then the cloud by day. So they had to keep their eyes open to where God was going so that they could follow God. Look, that's a lesson for us right there. We need to keep our eyes up, not down. I'm telling you, the news of this day keeps your eyes to the ground, not just the news of this day. I've looked at some of the archives of news back when I was a little boy. It's always uh, given the negative stuff. It's always tried to get you to focus on what can't happen rather than what can happen. And let me tell you what, we've got to learn to keep our eyes on Jesus. We've got to keep our eyes on God. We've got to keep our eyes in faith. We've got to look up, and that's what God made them do in the wilderness. Don't look at the hot sand under your feet and the misery around you. Look up, because the pillar of fire, if it moves, I'm taking you to the promised land follow it if the cloud by day moves you got to see it follow me we got to go where God's leading us somebody say amen hallelujah now in Leviticus 23 God says that these feasts are for everybody some people say these are just Jewish no God says they are for everybody and catch this there are seven feasts not six not eight there are seven what's the number of perfection and maturity and completion in the word of God it is seven and all seven feasts exactly to the day and exactly to the hour, they point to Jesus Christ. Everything we've got on this screen right here, they all point to Jesus Christ. Because everything that God does has its ramifications in heaven, but it also has its ramifications here on earth. And Jesus is the bridge between the two. Praise God. And this is why we still like to bring these feasts before you and uh, celebrate and, and, uh, the remembrance of that which has already taken place and the anticipation of that which is yet to come. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, beginning over in Passover with the first feast in spring, there was that, that was the day they took the lamb. You remember they were in Egyptian bondage. They took the lamb. God said, take the lamb, the innocent lamb, the spotless lamb, shed his blood, place his blood on the doorpost and the lentil, and then eat the meat. And then he tells them exactly what to do. And he says, when the death angel comes, he will see the blood and pass over that house. That this, this death will not come in that house. This destruction will not come in this house when, I, when he sees the blood. 
The blood will be the covering. The blood will be the protection. Well, did you know that Passover is the same day at 3 p.m. that the Israelites were in Egypt, that they killed that lamb and put the blood on the doorpost the same day when the righteous high priests were in the temple slaying the lamb, the unrighteous priests were on Golgotha having Jesus nailed to a cross and his blood shed there on that altar of sacrifice. The same day, Passover, the same time is exactly when Jesus was crucified. Hallelujah. And now they don't have to kill lambs anymore for that because Jesus is the one-time lamb of God. Amen? Now, this is no coincidence that it happens on the same day at the same hour. It's no coincidence. And there's no coincidence that when Jesus was buried, He was buried at the same time that Israel was taking of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Unleavened Bread, leaving the leaven out, which represented sin, saying this bread is without sin. They would take that bread. That is the same time that the sinless Lamb of God, Jesus who lived 33 and a half years, never sinned, He was buried into a tomb. And then we know three days later, Jesus was what? He was resurrected. And there's the feast of first fruits right there. As he says, he's the first fruit from the dead. Hallelujah. There's no coincidence that these three feasts are exactly the same time, the same day, and all about Jesus Christ, him being our Passover lamb. Praise God. And then 50 days later, we move over into Pentecost. Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you've been endued from on high with power. So they tarry in Jerusalem and Pentecost, 50, what Penta means, 50, 50 days after Jesus is resurrected, we see that the Holy Ghost is given and the church is birthed. Now think about this. The Feast of Pentecost was 50 days after Moses gets the Ten Commandments on St. Mount Sinai. After Passover, after unleavened bread, and after first fruits, 50 days later, Moses gets the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, which is the Word of God, the Torah. Now think about this. 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, you and I get the, the Holy Ghost. We get, the, we get Pentecost, where God births His church in power. Hallelujah. See, on Mount Sinai, God gave His Word, and there was lightning, and there was thunder. Guess what? On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came, and the, He came so that we could live out this Word, there was lightning, and there was thunder. Coincidence? I think not. And this Wednesday at sundown, is Rosh Hashanah as we move into the fall feasts, those feasts that have not yet been fulfilled. We still celebrate them as their anticipation of what yet is going to be fulfilled. If God took these four and He fulfilled them at the day, the hour, and the proper time and place, you think not He's going to fulfill the final three exactly like He said? I think so. Hallelujah. So here... For us, this Wednesday, going into this Wednesday, Rosh Hashanah, the new year, it's the turning for us. You've been having some bad warfare going on now? Guess what? You're wrapping up a, a spiritual year and you're about to move into a new spiritual year and all of hell is trying to come against you. But what you got to do is you got to stand your ground. You got to say, wait a minute, my, my eyes of my understanding have been enlightened and I know the hope of my calling. I know where I'm at. I know why this is happening. And devil, you're not going to get to me. 
uh-uh, no siree. I'm positioning myself. I hear the trumpet sound. I hear the horn sound. I hear the shofar sounding to say, wake up. Don't let the devil discourage you because your new year is right around the corner. Your next level, your elevation, your ratcheting up is right around the corner. Hallelujah. Because when this here uh, Rosh Hashanah just correlates right with the rapture. When God is going to rapture us up a level outside of even this atmosphere, we're going to be called up to be with Him. And then after the rapture, there's going to be a seven-year tribulation period. And, you know, and, and the Bible talks about three and a half years of those. They're going to be crying peace and peace. And, and, and there's going to be a lot of turmoil, a lot of wars and rumors of wars and things are coming undone. And then the last three and a half years are going to be just literally chaos and, and world war that's going to be taking place here. Some people say, well, I could never see that happening. Really? Really? Boy, it is really the stage is being set today more than ever. So that's Rosh Hashanah, the rapture. And then 10 days after Rosh Hashanah, you go to Yom Kippur, which is that day of atonement. Uh, when, you know, because when we're raptured, that, that seven years you know, of that time of, of the tribulation period, there's going to be the second coming of Christ. See, the rapture is not the second coming. The rapture is God judging the righteous, which is a good thing. He says, the dead in Christ shall rise and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to be within the Lord. Jesus isn't coming back to this earth. That's not the second coming. That's the rapture. And then the Bible says after that time of the rapture, there will be that time of tribulation. And at the culmination of the tribulation, when all the world is coming against Israel, everybody's coming in, there the Bible says that you're going to see the whole world turn against Israel. Why in the world is it that that little nation that's just tucked away over there is always at the bullseye in the center? Because all the way through to the end of the Scripture, that's where the final battle's going to be. And they're coming and they're going to destroy... And that says the second coming of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's going to come. And the Bible says that there's going to be destruction against those that are coming against the covenant people that He's come to fulfill the covenant promise with. And the blood will flow. The Bible says like 27 miles the depth of a horse's bridle. There's going to be such destruction that is going to take place that the sun will be darkened by the vultures that will be gathered together to clean up the carnages. You know what? They do a study. Discovery Channel says there are more of vultures today and buzzards and stuff today than ever. They, saw, they, they don't know why the numbers increase so. We, we go down to Sandbridge a lot and like to spend a, a couple hours there and there's even a house that we pass on. Is that Indian River Road? There on the left as we come off of Mount Pleasant uh, and, uh, and turn there on Indian River like the second house on the left. There's sometimes 30 and 40 buzzards in the man's yard on his car like chickens but they're buzzards. Um, and it's this, this older man with a long gray beard out there feeding them. I hope that's not your family, okay? But he's out there. <laughs> if it is, don't claim him. <laughs> and we're like, whoa, I've never seen so many buzzers in somebody's yard. So it's almost like we, we take people down there and we got, we got a sideshow to show you. And, uh, and there's all these buzzards everywhere. Well, let me tell you why. They got, they got a job ahead of them. There's something coming up for them. And what God says is going to happen, it's going to happen. Okay, so you better know that. So the second coming comes and God sets up His kingdom here and that's that final one where He tabernacles with us as we see that millennial reign, the Feast of Tabernacles is yet to be fulfilled. 
But what we're coming up on this Wednesday evening is Rosh Hashanah. And it uh, speaks of the rapture. And Yom Kippur follows that is the second coming. And then Sukkot would be that millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Now, in Hebrew, Rosh Hashanah means the opening of the gates. Is another meaning it has the opening of the gates. Hallelujah. Can't you see why the enemy's been intensifying his warfare against you? Because he's scared that you're going to hear this message. He's afraid that you're going to put your faith in the promise of God, that the gates are open. The gates are open. This is just to remind you. They're not opening now for you. It means they're already open, but God's just reminding you the gates of heaven are open to you. The miracles of heaven are available to you. The power of heaven is available for you. The anointing of heaven is available for you. The glory of heaven is available for you. You shouldn't be living without the power. You shouldn't be living without the glory. You shouldn't be living without His anointing. You shouldn't be living without His presence because the gates of heaven are open and the shofar is sounding saying, wake up church wake up people of God the gates are open heaven is yours Jesus said pray that heaven would come on earth to you hallelujah praise God so with Rosh Hashanah for 30 days leading up to that they with the Jewish people will hear the sounding of the trumpet the sounding of the shofar and it would be a sound not like the day of Rosh Hashanah but a day to say wake up be alert get ready for what's coming. And, and it's basically where we take time to judge ourselves leading up to Rosh Hashanah. So I want to encourage you to judge yourself as we lead up to this Wednesday evening. Am I loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Ask yourself. Am I more in love with me or am I more in love with God? Do I love Him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength? Am I loving my neighbor as myself? Am I honoring God with my words and with my life? Am I honoring God with the first fruits of that which He says is His and that I'm not to take and hold of? Am I obeying the Holy Spirit and doing what He is giving me and prompting me to do? Am I giving what God would have me give? Am I being kind? Am I being forgiving? Am I being gracious? Am I being loving? Judge yourself. Ask yourself these questions. And if we are, for the next year, the Bible is saying that the gates of heaven are open to you if you'll walk in that way. It, that's what makes us the glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Somebody say in here, open gates. Open Come gates. on, say open gates. open gates. God, I pray that you would help us to see and, and properly prepare ourselves to, 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 to take advantage of the open gates that you have for us. Now, there's another scripture I want you to look at, which uh, many have over the years taken that this was a Rosh Hashanah uh, text. This is a Rosh Hashanah text. It's been used in so many Rosh Hashanah services and teaching over the years. And that's Psalms 118. And there's several verses here I want us to look at, beginning with 16 and 17. He says, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. Rosh Hashanah is to remind us of that. That all the muck and the mire and the pain and the heartache that the world is throwing at you, know that God's hand is lifting you above that. That God wants to rapture you to the next level, that you live as the head and not the tail and above only and not beneath. That's a Rosh Hashanah scripture. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live because of Rosh Hashanah, because of the rest 
rescue of God, because of the power of God, because of the open gates of heaven that are available to me, because of the abundant life that Jesus has brought to me, I'm not going to die. The devil's trying to kill me. It's been a hard season. It's been a bad season. But I'm here to tell you I'm not going under and I'm not giving up and I'm not going down because of the right hand of God and the power of God and the plan of God. I put my faith in Him. I am being lifted up. Hallelujah. I shall not die, but I'm going to live. I'm going to live a Zoe life. I'm going to live an abundant life. I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord. There's a purpose. There's a plan. There's an anointing. There's a wisdom for my life. And I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. I want you to take this into this new year right now. I want you to say, I'm going into this new, new year and I won't go broke and I won't go backwards and I won't go under and I'm not going sick and my marriage is going to prosper and everything I put my hands to is going to prosper. I'm not going to die. No, I'm not going to die. My family's not going to die. My children's not going to die. The vision's not going to die. The finances aren't going to die. The business is not going to die. The marriage is not going to die. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. Hallelujah. And this end for Someday, this is for today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now look at verse 18 here. Don't get a frown. Let me finish. For the Lord has chastened me severely, but He has not given me over to death. Now what does this mean leading up to Rosh Hashanah? For 30 days, 30 days, the priests have been blowing the shofar. And they've been blowing it, warning everyone that this Wednesday is coming. And through the warning, God is speaking to them. Have you been gossiping? Have you been backbiting? Have you been acting in hypocrisy? Have you been robbing God? Have you been walking in unforgiveness? For 30 days, the Lord has chastened me severely. God chastens those He loves. That's what the Bible says. It was God saying, if you haven't forgiven others, the next year's not going to be good for you. If you haven't honored me with the tithe and the offerings, the next year's not going to be good for you. If you've been stirring up dissension among the brethren, the next year's not going to be good for you. So as we approach this new year, let us turn to God and get it right. And get it right. The Lord is chasing me severely, but He's not given me over to death. In other words, God has not given up on me. God has not closed the chapter, closed the book on my life. He keeps blowing that trumpet to remind me, here's a new year. Let's get it right. Let's get it right. All things are passed away. All things can become new. Let's get it right. Hallelujah. Now, I'm still praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. I'm still praying that as we study this chastening that comes from the Lord. And that takes us to the next level of maturity. Guess what he said? Now, in Christ, our chastening has come upon Him. You know Galatians 3 and 13 and 14 very well. For Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is cursed, it says, cursed is he who hangs on a tree. See, Jesus said the chastening that came on us because of our wrong the, and, and all that punishment that came on us, Jesus says, I'm going to go in and intercept all of that for you. I want you to have an abundant life and I want you to see my sacrifice for you and so much that you'll place your faith in me. And Jesus says, if you'll place your faith in me out of this love relationship and appreciation, you're going to be better than if you just tried to keep the letter of the law. 
So he says, here's all this chasing, the curse is coming down on you, and I'm going to come in and I'm going to protect you. It's like someone shooting you and Superman jumping in and the bullets bouncing off of him. Jesus is your Superman. And he says, I have to get your curse off of you on me. But I can't sin to get your curse. You sinned, and the wages of sin is death. You sinned, the curse came on you. And the only way I can pay your sin debt is to have sinless blood. So I've got to live a sinless life. And if I live a sinless life, I cannot violate the law and cause the curse to come on me. So I'm left here with sinless blood, but I can't apply it to your sinful account because I can, I can pay for your future and get you to heaven. He says, but I want to take the curse off you so you can have some heaven on earth now. So he and Father, they had, and the Holy Spirit, had a little loophole in the law that they inserted thousands of years before in Deuteronomy. And it's just this odd thing that says, God says... I'll cause a curse to come on anyone who hangs on a tree. Before crucifixion was ever thought of, before crucifixion was ever used, God has this loophole that if anyone is crucified, hung on a cross, that a curse comes on them. Now, why in the world does that fit for thousands of years? That made no sense until the Romans are crucifying people. And now, in Jesus' time, they tried to stone him to death. He said, you ain't had it. You ain't having it. You ain't having it. And he disappears. They tried to throw him off a cliff, and they couldn't find him. They, throw, they can't find him. Where is he at? Where is he at? Because he couldn't die any other death other than the death of one that would take a curse off of us. He says, I want you to have your Rosh Hashanah today. Hallelujah. So there, they hang him on a tree, and our curse comes upon Him. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is He who hangs on a tree, so that what? The blessing, being the head and not the tail, being living in a rapture state, living raptured above your circumstances, raptured upon the plan of the devil on your life, and you're walking on earth with heaven and its inheritance flowing through your life. Hallelujah so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon even us, the Gentiles. Now watch this, watch this. Look at that verse 18, following that verse, uh, 19 verse uh, following 18. He says, now, open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them and will praise the Lord. Now that, before Jesus, was just a, a wish and a hope. Because they tried to keep the law to be righteous, and if you violated one little tiny dot or tittle of the law, you were guilty of breaking all of it. Everybody had fallen short of the glory. Everybody had fallen short of the glory of God. Right? But Jesus comes in, hallelujah, and He's our rapturing King. He is our Rosh Hashanah that is wanting to take us to the next level every year and then eventually take us to a level outside of this world. Hallelujah. And He says, I'm going to have these gates open to you and they're gates of righteousness and you've got to learn to go through them with praise unto the Lord. Now you're not going to go through these gates with praise unless you believe that righteousness is fulfilled and you know you can't fulfill righteousness. So now you know what Paul said that 
that we are therefore now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that Jesus has made us righteous. So our righteousness is through our relationship with Him. So we're falling in love with Him. We're living for Him. We're surrendering our lives to Jesus. We want to honor Jesus. We want to advance His kingdom. We want to tell everybody about Jesus. We just go around with praise because we know by faith that He has made us righteous and now the gates of heaven are open to us and we can be living in a raptured state even now while we're on this earth. Hallelujah. Because that word righteous in the Hebrew is uh, sadek. It means to be made right. To be put back in proper position. And Jesus did that for us. Jesus did that for us. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So does the righteousness depend on us? Think not. Does God's holiness depend on us? I hope not. We are made right by God. It's an act of grace, love, and mercy of God. That same grace that saved us. God looked at us in our miserable state and He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua, to come and die for us so that we could live. The wages of sin is death. Jesus took that death, that the gift of God, which is eternal life, and that abundant life that Jesus came to bring us can be ours. Hallelujah. So we need to go into this season saying, yes, God, open the gates. Open to me the gates of heaven. I want heaven manifesting in my home. I want heaven manifesting in my body. I want heaven manifesting in the finances that I have stewardship over. I want heaven manifesting over my marriage. I want heaven manifesting over my emotions. Somebody right now need to get your emotions under this right now. Don't let the devil pull the strings of your emotions. Let God rapture you to the next level and bring you up in power and bring you up in anointing. Hallelujah. You need to pray, Father, open unto me. Open to me your acts of kindness. Open to me your healing power. Open to me your acts of provision. Open to me your prosperity. Open to me debt cancellation. Open to me a new blessing. Open to me a new joy. Open to me a whole new level of living with my family, Lord, in the name of Jesus. This is what the psalmist is saying as they were approaching the upcoming Rosh Hashanah of that day. Open to me the gates of righteousness. God has opened them through Jesus Christ. Jesus has already made it permanent. And he said, pray this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How could we do pray that if the gates weren't open for the transfer of heaven on earth? Hallelujah. So I ask you today, are you walking through? And if you do, go through them. You will go through them with praise if you believe. If you don't believe, you're not going to praise. See, God likes a praise that comes out of a heart of faith. A faith that believes before it sees. See, a lot of people want to see their healing before they'll praise God. A lot of people want to see their finances go to the next level before they praise God. We want to live in fear when we are in pain. We want to live in fear when our finances are drying up. We want to live in fear when our relationships are troubled. We want to live in fear. But God says, I'm looking to those who had prayed the prayer that the eyes of their understanding would be open, that they would receive the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of the anointing of God so that we would have an illumination and an understanding of the revelation of who Christ is. And understanding who Christ is, if we truly believe, 
Well, it doesn't matter what I feel like today. I know what gate is open to me. It doesn't matter what my finances look like today. But I know what gate is open to me. I don't care about where the state of my marriage is today. I know the miracle of heaven that can come in and turn my marriage around. That can turn my relationships around. That can turn my health around. That can turn my wealth around. Do you know what I'm talking about in here? And if you really believe that, before you see it, because you believe it, you're going through the gate with praise. Hallelujah. You're going through the gates with praise with your hands lifted up. Well, I Hallelujah coming out of your voice with a stance and a staunch and a, and a walk and a talk that says, My God has made a way. My God left an empty tomb. My God has given me His Word. My God has made a promise. My God is going to do what He said He did. He did it in the first four feasts and He fulfilled it to the level of the law. He's going to fulfill it in the last three feasts just like He said. And I believe, I believe, and I receive and I walk in this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said this on Wednesday night. We dealt with a lot of teaching on Wednesday night about a lot of this. So if you want to go on the Wednesday night website for the church and see that, it'll help you. But I said this on Wednesday night, and I'm closing with this today. Rosh Hashanah is so important, so very important, how we approach it and how we walk through these next few days. It sets the thermostat for the rest of the year. You've been uncomfortable? Anybody in here been in uncomfortable? Don't be shy. There's probably been an intense spiritual warfare because of the season we're in. You thought it was just you. Look at somebody beside you and say, I'm glad it was you too. <laughs> I'm glad it was you too. Anybody been through some intense spiritual war? Anybody gone, under a, gone through attacks that you've never gone through before? Had to go through some, make, you had to make some history. You never had to go through that before. You never dealt with that. Spiritual attacks. It's the sign of the season. This is a very, very critical and crucial time of the year. And how you approach it and walk through it is going to set the thermostat for the rest of the year. We've got folks in this church that like it cold. And we've got folks in the church that likes it warm. And if it, and some of you don't want it lukewarm or comfortable. <laughs> so I have people come to me and say, Pastor, do you have a key to that thermostat? They know I do. I don't have it on me. Do you have a key to that thermostat? I said, why? It's hot in here. And I know you're hot-blooded, so let's get that thing turned down to 60. Well, I do that, then I'm going to have you guys that like it warm upset but I have the power with a key and the electronics on that box that I could set the temperature at 60 and make it 60 in here I could set it at 90 and make it 90 in here don't do that amen oh yes I'm feeling your brother I'm feeling your brother a thermostat has the power to change the environment because the thermostat even though it's a low voltage piece of equipment it is connected to a high power source. Hallelujah. And a thermostat is what you and I want to be, not a thermometer. A thermometer, if you throw it in the middle of 90 degrees, it says it's 90 degrees. If you put it at 32 degrees, it says it's 32 degrees. It just tells you, it just parrots what's around it. 
But I'm telling you, there is a low voltage box on that wall connected to a high power source, a unit in the back, and that thing will call for the contacts, for the power to be connected, and that power to begin to flow and cause that, that compressor to begin to pump that gases and to cause that transfer of heat or air, whatever you want, and change the environment. Let me tell you why. You and I, what we do in, with Rosh Hashanah is the thermostat. What are you going to set it at? You say, well, I don't know if there's enough power back there. You got the power of heaven. You got the power of heaven. He said the gates of heaven are open. Heaven is backing this, but you've got to have faith. What are you going to set the thermostat for? What are you going into this new year to believing and declaring and praising God for? I can't set it for you. You've got to set it for yourself. You come in my house, mine's set. I go in your house, yours is set. Now take spiritual responsibility. And set your spiritual thermostat as well. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me please? Father, we stand in your presence. Lord, I know that you're speaking by your spirit. And you're answering prayers that we prayed here today, God. Prayers that our minds would be open. Our eyes would be open. That revelation would come with clarity to each and every one of us that we would know the hope of our calling and the riches of the glory of our inheritance and that we would know with exceeding greatness the power, your power for those who believe, your power flowing in and through us. Lord, we've heard your word. Now it's time for us to respond to your word. Holy Spirit, you have been speaking. You have been prompting. You have been encouraging. You have been enlightening. And you've been bringing forth revelation to us here this morning. But we know that if we're hearers of your word only and not doers, it's like saying to someone that you have, you have resources to help them, but you say, be well, be fed, and you just walk right on by. So Lord, I pray that as we take this few minutes, to say, God, help me to get a focus on what you're saying to me. What are you saying to me, Lord? Holy Spirit, what are you calling out of me? Just go ahead and tell him, I'm ready to respond. I'm ready to do it, Lord. Just want clarity. And the Lord will show you. Hallelujah. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, declare double portion. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, declare financial promises. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, proclaim restoration. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, declare special miracles. That may be for you, special miracles. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, declare divine presence. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, blessings on your sons and your daughters and all of their bloodline, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Even after you're gone, great-great-great-grandchildren, releasing that blessing on that bloodline right now. <laughs> 
releasing that blessing on that bloodline right now. There's prodigals that that blessing is going to bring home. That blessing is going out and it's going to bring them home. Hallelujah. Prodigals are coming home. Hallelujah. We claim them right now in the name of Jesus. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, declare deliverance to whoever calls on the name of Jesus. Deliverance, freedom, liberty. Those who call on the name that is above every name. King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Yeshua. Double portion, financial promises, restoration, special miracles, divine presence. This blessing going out on your children and your children, your daughter, your sons, your daughters, your, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren. Deliverance to whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. God, release these blessings. God, we just ask you today, forgive us. Be merciful unto us. Yes, ask Him for forgiveness. Forgive us, God. Let the blood of your Son, Jesus, wash away all our sins. For in this last year, Lord God, we failed you. There's things that we knew to do we did not do. There's things that we never even thought of that we should have done, we failed to do. We failed you, but you've not failed us. And your blood still washes away sin. And though it be as, scar as scarlet, it will be white as snow, the Bible says. And though it be red as crimson, it will be as wool. Thank you, Lord, for the cleansing, redeeming, sanctifying power of your blood, Jesus. We're not going to live under the guilt and the damnation and the condemnation of our fallings and our failings. We're going to run to you, Jesus, and lay them at your feet and lay them at the altar and cast our care upon you and say, forgive us, God. Forgive us, God. Be merciful unto us, O Lord. Let the blood of your Son, Jesus, wash away all our sins. And in this year, may we be numbered and accounted in you. May we find our faith and our trust and our hope and our deliverance in you. And may you be found in us. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Use me. Hallelujah. As a sign of surrender, I just hear the Spirit of the Lord say, stand before me. And as a sign of double surrender, saying, God, I'm not surrendered only my eternity to you. I'm surrendering my now. I'm going to use my gifts, my talents, my anointings. I may not even know what they are, but you're going to help me discover them. But I'm already committing them to be used where you want me and how you want me. I'm not, go I'm not going to make that choice. God, I'm going to be where you plant me. I'm going to decide to stay where you put me. And I'm going to use them how you have instructed me. As a sign of double surrender, just raise both hands to Him. As you raise your hands to Him, say, Jesus, Jesus, I call you my Lord. I surrender my life to you. See my hands lifted. See my heart. And hear my words. Jesus, you're my Lord. I want you to rule. I want you to reign. I want you to be King of kings and Lord of lords of my life. I surrender. My life belongs to you. Now fill me. Kind of open your arms up to receive now. Now fill me. Fill me with your spirit. I need heaven in this earthen body. 
I need your anointing. I need your presence. I need your power. I need your wisdom. I need your glory to fill this temple. So fill me, Holy Ghost. Fill me. Use me. Flow in and flow through to accomplish your kingdom and your will on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, Holy Spirit, my God, my Comforter, and Father God, I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise in this house.